Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Range Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Rangely. With me, as always, my co-host and Range's founder, Chris Demuth. Uh, today, we're going to talk about some new fallout from the Wells Fargo fake account scandal, and then some more rumors that uh, consumer packaged food giant Mondelez is up for sale. Uh, and Chris, it, it almost feels like a deja vu episode. You know, at the end of last year, we talked about each of these topics several times, but they were in the news, they were interesting, so I thought we'd have a little bit of a deja vu episode. Sounds good. Uh, so let's start with Wells Fargo. Today, they released the results of an independent investigation into their sales scandal. Uh, you know, the, the quote right at the top of the press release says, We identified cultural, structural, and leadership issues as the root causes of the improper sales practices. And uh, look, this was not a good look for the former management team. The report just really blasted them. Showed evidence that the company knew that there had been sales issues and fake accounts getting open since the early 2000s. Uh, it, it had a lot of quotes about management being too scared of missing targets to stop the, to really put their foot down and stop these improper sales tactics. Uh, in response, they'll be clawing back $75 million in comp from former CEO John Stump and the former head of community banking. Uh, banking this brings community banking that would be a fun job. <laughs> community banking. Uh, this brings the total clawback and exec comp actions back to. Up to almost $180 million. On top of that, Wells Fargo has paid out $110 million to customers and $185 million to regulators and fines. And today, proxy firm ISS came out and said, hey, investors, Wells Fargo has a 15-person board. Don't vote for anyone who was on the board when this uh, scandal was happening. Uh, the Wall Street Journal – or Wells Fargo's in response said this is an extreme and unprecedented recommendation. And it is kind of rare for a firm say – for a proxy firm to say, hey, don't vote for anyone on this board who is here for a scandal when there's kind of no competing slate. So, Chris, I talked a lot. Turn it over to you. What do you think about what's going on over here? Well, uh, the clawback to start off with, I'd say I think it's appropriate. But the fact that there's kind of $75 million uh, of kind of loose change uh, in the change drawer of executive comp to ask for back pay itself uh, is probably a sign of something suboptimal. But I think that that was good. I think it's really nice to see some vigor from ISS. Uh, proxy advisors and shareholders alike really can be a little sleepy and underutilize the powerful tool of the shareholder vote. And um, I, uh, you know, think should all of them have known about it? Is it, is it overly harsh to get rid of all of them? I really like uh, in terms of senior people and uh, how you hold senior people accountable. I really like, I'm sure I've said this in the past, but how it works with uh, coaches after losing seasons and generals after losing battles. You don't parse whether, was the general trying hard? Mm -hmm. uh, was the coach kind of kind of this strategy or that? You just look at, the, it was a losing season. You, you fired yourself. Uh, you lost the battle. Your army's gone, so the general's gone. And I think that for senior people, um, I think that that uh, makes sense. Don't parse their virtues and vices it failed you were responsible uh get rid of them but in this case the general is gone right the ceo is gone the head of the community banking is gone is it one step too far to be asking to remove all directors because to some extent i mean directors do oversee the management team but what they were seeing was they were seeing great results at Wells Fargo. It had outperformed peers for years. And it's very difficult for them to have a grasp on the kind of internal sales culture. So do you think, do you think it's appropriate to hit the directors after the top management's gone? 
I do in this case. I would say that uh, it's fine to have a fairly hands-off passive board when things are going well. You cheer, you encourage. Uh, it's kind of like the uh, queen to the prime minister. You uh, encourage and counsel. Uh, but when things really go badly, I think that that org chart and you're at the tippy top of the org chart above the CEO, it really, you hire and fire and having to swoop in and be responsible in a crisis, I think comes into play. I'm not certain I'm right here. I'm not certain yeah. I'm right. I, I, I would have done the same rec recommendation uh, were I ISS, uh, but I would have to think about it. We were, as we will disclose, not shareholders at the moment, uh, directly at least. Um, I, I would have to think more about following it or not. Yeah, because just for me, like if a board approves a merger, you know, that's something the board has put to a vote and mm -hmm. approved. That. Uh, if that merger fails horrifically, then I could see calling for heads. But you never see ISS, say, withhold votes from uh, corporate boards who have approved awful capital allocation practices. Like, in this case, they approved the manager. The manager oversaw the awful sales practices. But the board doesn't mm -hmm. approve sales practices. All they can get is they see these glowing praises from uh, from everyone nationwide that says, hey, Wells Fargo has the best banking culture in the business. You know, turned out the manager kind of had pulled it or the management, maybe they pulled everyone's eyes, pulled the wool over everyone's eyes. Maybe this was just a one-time thing that gets blown up because there's fake account scandals. But in this case, the manager's gone. And then I also thought it was interesting, and I'll ask you your thoughts on it. The, the new CEO, who was an internal pro promote, but he wasn't on the board at the time. ISS, one of the three people they're recommending, is the new CEO. He was an internal promote. He was the COO when uh, this whole scandal was going on. Now, they said he wasn't in charge of the retail banking culture, but I think it's interesting that they said, oh, he wasn't on the board. He was at the top management we can vote for him, but we can't vote for anyone else on the board. What do you think about that? He came across fairly well. I read the uh, internal report of the independent directors today. He came across fairly well. I think that uh, uh, um, under the circumstances, again, gosh, I'm being so agreeable with them. It might uh, it might make sense. Part of the problem they really emphasized, a word that I generally like, talked about how decentralized the structure was, mm -hmm. but it kind of allowed um, uh, them to put these incredibly high pressure points on the salespeople and then wash their hands of it. You know, will no one rid me of this troublesome priest uh, uh, and have them go, you know, they know what you want. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't require excessive coordination if I simply say, here's what I want. You will be massively rewarded or penalized for the consequences. You know, rational, self-seeking people can take it from there. So I think kind of re-centralizing responsibility is part of the response to this. And, and what did you think of the report? Because one thing I thought was this was the independent director's investigation mm -hmm. and it really threw the people who were no longer at the bank under the bus. Yep. And a, a critique I, I heard of it was this was the director saying blame everyone but us. Yes. Uh, did you did you get a sense of that when you were reading the report? Yes, it was kind of antiseptic in terms of who... Uh, who right, who there's no one who's that. still at the bank who it's like, oh, this guy had some blame. Like, it's everyone who's not at the bank was to blame. Yeah, you see a lot of things like this where uh, the guy who is dead or out of office or no longer relevant gets, uh, gets kind of uh, uh, tossed under the bus. Um, in this case... I think that that was uh, troublesome. Um, I think one of the things that I really focused on going into was giving employees more responsibility for a metric than they have a realistic authority to do something about it and hyper short-term goals. I mean, I, I really think that you have a lot of noise around those goals and a lot of incentive for fraud 
Um, you know, in one case, they were talking about subordinates being called multiple times per day for sales updates. Yeah. That's not an update. That is pressure. That is, I would say, bullying. I mean, you, you keep asking and asking and asking when there can't be new uh, statistically significant information. It's basically very similar to telling somebody, if you ask a question 10 times a day, you're telling them to do something yeah. about it. And um, there's nothing legitimate. I mean, sometimes the legitimate answer would have been, hey, boss, you know, there wasn't a good lead. I mean, I, I was proud. I was happy. I was happy to uh, get a lead. There just wasn't somebody who wanted to buy what we were selling. Uh, and so it kind of encourages a lot of this bad behavior. One of my friends who works at a big uh, kind of consulting firm on compensation practices, he told me, look, every compensation plan, no matter how well designed, after two years, mm-hmm. uh, employees have kind of figured it out and they're going to start gaming it. People within the organization know how to start gaming it. So part of the job is just like you have to keep switching it up because the same metrics at some point they get dull they get stale you want to make sure they're properly aligned with long-term incentives and hitting all the numbers but you also need to make sure that they they can't be gamed and you have to just switch it up to get that absolutely Uh, anyway you want to switch over to mandalas sure yeah so mandalas the maker of oreos ritz crackers and trident gum they hired a search firm uh to look for a replacement for ceo irene rosenfeld uh news kind of broke in the wall street journal this morning uh the the wall street journal and uh internal mandalas people were pretty clear this is because of pressure from the shareholder base specifically activists uh nelson peltz and bill ackman that uh, they need to do something to improve margins obviously last year they tried to buy hershey and failed everybody's talked about them getting bought by Kraft Heinz and 3G. And people are saying, hey, the search for a CEO, a lot of times when CEOs kind of shake up, that's when the firm is most up for sale. People are wondering, does this open the door a bit for Kraft Heinz to swoop in and do that merger that everyone has been talking about? Uh, You know, the interesting tidbit here, though, is uh, the CEO is chairman and CEO. So, she controls the timing of her own successor. Mandela's does not have a mandatory retirement age. Uh, the the Wall Street Journal article made clear that the CEO has no plans on retiring. So it does raise the question, is she really looking for a successor here? Or is she just kind of doing something to placate shareholders while she, look, while she looks to kind of continue running her empire? So Chris, I'll turn it over to you. What do you think? It would be a great time for Pelps or Ackman or somebody to really push for splitting the role just to make sure it's a very clean process of looking mm, for a successor. Yeah, great point. Um, great point. I think it's too bad for Hershey owners that their board wouldn't do a deal with Mandela's. I think it's too bad for Mandela's owners that the board would not do a deal with 3G. Um, and uh, oh wait, wait, so to my knowledge, the board there has been no 3G offer no, yet. Ex- so. But they have board members have expressed a lack of enthusiasm for looking at something like that. Mm-hmm. In the past. Um, and, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you look at uh, where uh, Kraft Heinz is in terms of their industry, and it's just pretty glowing. It looks like there's a lot of room for improvement uh, at uh, Mandela's um, and uh, something that they could consider. Um, another thing about this process I would just throw out is that... Um, they needed a hire a search firm. Uh, maybe that's fine for looking for external hires. I think that every good public company, large uh, multinational company CEO should have one or two direct reports who would be perfectly adequate CEOs. I mean, I think that having some redundancy at the top so that senior people can really think about strategy and not get bogged down in minutia and operations is good. But it's sort of troubling to me when uh, when somebody's been CEO for a while, a little bit as we talked about with Disney, and there's not kind of a plug-and-play person or two yep, who would be yep. good at the top. And, and the one thing that was – there was a quote in the Wall Street Journal article that said, hey – 
we here at uh, Mondelez, we're completely confident that we have a replacement for all of our uh, executive candidates in the event they leave. So they, they kind of acknowledge your worry, but it, like you're saying, if you need to go hire if you need to go hire a firm to do this big search, it, it does make you worry about uh, what the replacements yeah. look like. And then, you know, I, I do I think investors are right to be putting pressure on here. You mentioned Kraft Heinz, and you know some people. Kraft Heinz, I, I kind of pu- pulled it up uh, before we were looking. Kraft Heinz margins are approaching thirty percent, and uh, they're way higher than anyone else in the industry. And we've heard like Unilever when Kraft Heinz was coming after them. One of the big critiques from Unilever was Kraft Heinz. Uh, they pursue short term margins at the expense of long term, so they cut out all their uh, R and D budget and all their advertising budget, which boosts margins in the short in the short term, but it kills brands in the long term. And that, I do think that is a somewhat viable concern. But in Mondelez's case, look, their margins are below everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Mondelez's margins are in the low teens, and I couldn't find a single uh, big CPG company that would be considered a peer that was even close to Mondelez. They're at the bottom of the barrel. So in this case, it's not that, like they can argue, oh, we're a little bit below Kraft Heinz because we're brand building. They're below everyone. It's clear that something needs to be done to get their margins up so that uh, and shareholders can realize a proper return. If 3G could do half of what they accomplished with Kraft Heinz with Mondelez, it would be spectacular. I mean, I think, you know, I look at this and uh, uh, their plan A, Mondelez's plan A, was buying Hershey. Fine. Okay. But now that that failed, I think they should turn to their owners for a plan B. Um, you know, you had the Tryon plan, which I thought was a credible plan to merge into a Pepsi spin of their snacks business, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was a plausible plan that could be you know, reassessed. Uh, unclear if Pepsi could pull it off, but Pepsi thinks that it can solve police brutality with sugary carbonated beverages. <laughs> so anything's possible with them. Uh, and uh, then you have much more recently, you have uh, kind of Pershing Square pointing out rooms for margin improvement uh, and uh, ways to make it a more profitable, productive company. Uh, I think that uh, Rosenfeld's uh, epitaph as a standalone company CEO reads so-so. You know, it's, it's, it's not a disaster. They've accomplished a lot of things, but boy, it's... Uh, a lot of room for improvement. I wouldn't even say so-so because the thing with these big brands is you've had so many tailwinds over the past decade. And I think everything – like if you remember back before Mondelez kind of split off, she was CEO. Mm -hmm. And uh, Warren Buffett actually owned a big stake and he sold out because uh, as part of the – they did all these deals. And as part of them, they were selling off brands at just incredibly low multiples. Mm -hmm. And Warren Buffett was just like, I'm out. The the capital allocation here is awful. Uh, she did, I, I believe it was the big Cadbury deal that then was broken off when they split Mondelez and Kraft out. And now people are saying, hey, Kraft Heinz has way better margins. Let's re- almost recombine them by combining Mondelez with Kraft, which you spun out. So I think she had this big boost from brands and low interest mm-hmm. rates. But it's tough to really point to one thing and be like, yeah, what she did there, that was a home run. I think one of the funny things about corporate America is you can really look at how every CEO puts this massive – economic premium upon their control. You know, mm-hmm. you look at what they're willing to pay for another company's stock versus what shares they're willing to own in the pension plan, say, right? So yeah. you have this double-digit premium. Uh, she's actually been a very bad example of this, and I think that Warren Buffett really pointed this out in the past on the multiples that they're willing to sell uh, assets and the multiples yeah. they're willing to buy for buying corporate assets. That, that they, they are just almost time for time. They're almost like a negative arbitrage yeah. machine uh, selling uh, selling low, buying high. And, and that's the thing, you know, if you look at this company, the shareholder returns have been 
okay. I think they've underperformed most of their kind of peers. But if you look at this company and say, okay, here we are. We're 10 years or something into her leadership. The company has been awful in capital allocation. As you're saying, they're selling low and buying high on multiples. And the company has rock bottom margins. Like, what has she done? What has she done for shareholders? Uh, It's kind of tough to point at anything. So I think shareholders have gotten a positive return, but I think that has more to do with the strength of the brands than uh, kind of her management team. Anyway, I, I think we're kind of out of time. Do, do you have anything else you want to say here? I have nothing to add. Okay, great. So that's all the time we have for today. Just before we hit our disclosures, a quick reminder. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audioboom. It means a lot to us. Uh, Chris, disclosures, none for me? None for me. Okay, great. We'll talk to you guys later this week.